it's Laura here you probably know me from the Adventure Games podcast where I do reviews with Shorsha and Thomas but recently on my Twitch which is www.twitch.tv forward slash up, I caught up with Mike Stembley I had a chat with him because he's the co-director and co-designer of Escape from Monkey Island and it was Escape's 20th anniversary uh, not long ago. So I had a chat with him about that game. I also spoke to him, of course, about Sam and Max because he's, again, the co-director and designer of Sam and Max Hit the Road. He's also working on the new VR game of Sam and Max. This time it's virtual. So I had plenty to talk to him uh, when I caught up with him on Twitch. The first thing I sort of asked him was, what was it like, because I played a bit of the game on Twitch, watching it back then? Yeah, that whole era, there were some games that just like had 10 minute cutscenes in the middle of them. And you're just going, wait, the, there should be a game here someplace. And even for the opening where we had to kind of recapitulate everything that, you know, happened in the previous games and launch the story, it was still like, you know, every we tried to cut down every second to try and get people moving into it. And even so, woof, that's, yeah, it's a. Uh, it's a lot of lot of talk in there. <laughs> I think it was something. It was something about the time, wasn't it? There, there were people could do yeah. these great cutscenes, so they just did them. Yeah. Well. Yeah. I mean, the the, the worst offenders, of course, being all those old uh, uh, Final Fantasy games. Yes. Where it's like, hey, we're tromping along, we're playing a game, and now here's a movie. Yeah. <laughs> it's yeah. like with. An animation style that doesn't match anything. Even in, even in Escape, you could tell those opening cutscenes. You know, you know, we were using you know very really primitive 3D, but then we would do these cinematic cutscenes where okay, we're going to pre-render everything now, and all of a sudden we can actually have more than three characters on a screen at a time and things like that. Um, you know, you could tell just from you know wandering around Melee Island, we were kind of Melee Island is very empty. <laughs> uh, because we could not actually bring in like you know hordes of characters one you know the wandering pirates went away from the first game because we couldn't afford it um i never thought so that but it is uh, yeah you're right <laughs> there's yeah. nobody there in the, on the it's island like, we, we we couldn't afford it and they were doing all kinds of you know horrible tricks every now and then to try and make things seem more populated it was it was definitely an experience um yeah and i did not know you were going to be playing the playstation version yeah yeah <laughs> getting those controls the playstation controls are a lot uh, even more janky than the pc controls which yes. is an unfortunate thing. um yeah we were we were trying to get away a little bit from the Grim Fandango controls, which also had their own issues at times. Uh, but yeah, it's it's a sort of an in-between thing. I'm very happy that by the time we went over to Telltale and did, you said, nope, we're doing point and click, darn it. Everything's point and click. Why not? <laughs> like, we, got, we got mice, we should use them. Yeah, that's you fair know, enough. Point and click with steering. Uh, that was, you know, where we eventually landed. And that that was much better. Um, well, we'll get. We, yeah, yeah I'll, I'll, I mean, we, we'll, I'll get to uh, sort of uh, the Telltale and, and Monkey Island and, and Summer Max. But at first, I was, I guess, I was going to just say, 
if you can go back that far, it's been a while now. Uh, but how, first of all, how did you just yeah. how did you join Lucas Arts? How did you get to join them? Ah. Uh. I joined LucasArts in 1990. Uh, it had been about a year after I had graduated from college. I wasn't sure what I was going to be doing with my life. Um, was making a couple of shareware games on the Macintosh for the old World Builder pro uh, product, which probably no one remembers, um, which was a point-and-click adventure game thing. Didn't even realize there was such a job. As actually working for a professional game company, uh, PC game company, and a friend of mine who had recently applied for Lucas Arts, but had since gotten a job with Apple where he could make a lot more money, uh, was contacted, got a call back, and he said, "Yeah, no, I'm working for Apple now, but I've got this friend, <laughs> and you should talk to him." And so my friend Jeff Susby uh, basically got my foot in the door, and that's how I joined up uh, back when Lucas Arch was still up at the ranch. Um, and they were at the ranch for two more months, and then we got all got kicked into downtown San Rafael. Um, but that's how I got the job. And how did Escape from Monkey Islands come about? What 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 were the what were the kind of thoughts? You might not be able to. I don't know, remember exactly um, where it came from, but in terms of obviously. Let's see. That was, yeah, it was, um, you know, it was post, uh, you know, it was obviously post curse and yep. uh, post me working on afterlife and a, a few other things. Uh, and they basically came to Sean and I and said, well, you know, we we're, you know, we'd like you to get that particular band back together and let's do a fourth one. Uh, and, you know, we've just, you know, we've, yeah, got Grim Fandango uh, plugging along, so let's do it in 3D. Uh, 2D is dead. 2D is expensive. Let's do a 3D version. Um, and yeah, we you know kind of jumped at the chance to actually play around in that world. Uh, we'd both you know kind of touched it a few times, done a little side work on it, but had never been deeply in. So yeah, we we jumped and uh, went for it. Yeah, uh, someone in the chat makes an interesting point. Uh, the internet ping saying 2D more expensive than 3D, which is something I was thinking as well. I would have thought 3D would be more expensive. Um, in theory, not. <laughs> That's okay. a, it's it's by the time we'd done Curse, uh, Curse, you know, it was not expensive when we were doing little teeny, uh, you know. Uh, 256 color uh, scum scum characters uh, that you could just do little walkie animations. By the time we did Curse, Curse it up the ante to, oh yes, no, these are really nicely, you know, almost Don Bluthian animated characters. And it got a lot harder uh, to, you know, do that. Uh, so, and everything was going 3D. 3D, everybody was, you know, so we wanted to keep keep pushing that um and so we you know it's what and we were doing that and simultaneously turning our backs on the scum system which had its own why we did that i'm not quite sure to this day <laughs> and so we were uh simultaneously building you know a nice lua engine uh and saying okay well, let's use lightwave and try the 3d tool to create these characters and you know, none of us had really done it before. It shows up in a few things. We, um, you know, in a, you know a lot of the characters, a lot of the crinkliness, let's call it, of the 3D characters in Escape, 
it you know shows up because we were all experimenting and trying to figure things out um and some things we figured out well some things not so much um yeah. <laughs> but uh yeah i one of the takeaways from that for me has been going forward is uh you know never go into battle for a game without an engine <laughs> already built and working uh and also never try to do two huge things at the same time on a project um you know uh if we we had, you know, so if I'd have my brothers going back and say, yeah, let's uh, use the scum engine. It works and throw all of our brain power into doing 3D, um, you know, uh, something like that. And that's obviously um, that's why the scum bar you know, the, uh, gets replaced by the lure bar. That's is that that's a little in joke in the game. About halfway through. Yes. Yes. A little in joke. Uh, we um, uh, if, if nothing else, the uh you know, a lot of times at uh, LucasArts, we were far too impressed with our own in-jokes. Um, <laughs> no, we not were, impressed enough, I think. A, we, we just scattered. I, I had totally forgot the, uh, well, the in-jokes and the cultural reference. I totally forgotten that uh, we had named uh, the first uh, chapter, Things to Do on Melee Island When You're Dead, uh, which is uh, uh, riff on a... Uh, 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 indie movie. I think it's uh, things to do in Denver when you're dead. Okay, is that the name of it? I'm sure someone in the yeah. So it's like it, you know, it's. Uh, I'm surprised we don't have a my dinner with Andre reference in there yeah. as well. Given you know, um, you know, it's that that kind of level of intentional obscurity that uh, you know is somewhat defining. I've kind of drifted away from that over the years, hopefully. Fingers crossed. Uh, yeah, good. I'm, I'm yeah. sure you have. I'm sure you have. Uh, apologies. I think some people are saying the stream keeps lagging. It seems to be fine for me. So uh, I don't know if it's like issues with people watching on their phones. Uh, but I can talk to you fine, Mike. So I, I don't think it's an issue yeah. with you. I'm, I'm being able to. Yeah, fine okay. for other people. So, yeah, it might might just be an issue if you if you watch on your phone rather than uh, on your pc but i was going to say anyway mike uh you brought up obviously it being sort of exciting to to make a monkey island game but i i guess compared to you sort of taking on sam and max which in a way was a completely new project uh obviously steve steve had come up with the idea um but uh in terms of monkey island that was already sort of a well-established series so what what did it feel like being able to yeah. step into that world was it a bit scary it was a little bit scary but you know at the time a lot of things were still being you know it was still a very loosey-goosey uh company with regards to continuity and things uh there's you know obviously a couple of things we kind of stomped all over <laughs> during the course of the story like with regards to herman toothrod for example but you know there was there was you know nothing in the way of a bible for the characters we all kind of had this sense of oh we know this character we can just keep going down this road and see where it goes we kind of thought we you know to this day there's like huge questions about you know what is the deal with the voodoo lady anyway there's what is the deal with lechuk you know and you know so we kind of felt like we could 
And Monkey Island, obviously, between the first and the second game, who knows what the heck's going on in Monkey Island. Uh, so we felt like, yeah, sure, why not? Giant robot monkey. Yeah, uh, <laughs> throw that in. Yeah. Why not? Uh, why not? Um, I think, you know, in the years since, we've kind of decided, okay, maybe we should start seriously thinking about what's going on uh, and not be so overtly goofy with the with the license it's sort of the it you know licenses that you know you keep telling stories with will start to accrue some kind of uh overall storyline if you take them a little bit more seriously and i think that's what's been happening um you know there are things i'm very happy that you know we added there i i i actually did like the bad guy that we threw into the mix for this one and didn't make it all about lechuck for a change um you know i i kind of you know there i do like the whole idea of you know the i the the you know completely merchandised pirate island uh i thought that worked out well um and you know there are i liked the i you know just a step on the third rail i do actually kind of like the idea behind monkey combat um yes we should have been who came up with monkey we combat? should have been <laughs> i want to know i think that's I'm, I'm gonna lay that at my feet um the i think the whole idea was you know at some level we wanted to you know you can't do insult sword fighting again really no. right yeah yeah you know, the thing that worked the thing that works really well about insult sword fighting is that you know, the, the initial surprise of it, oh, and then we're going to gather up some insults and responses and go with it. You know, and Curse did, okay, now they have to rhyme. Um, you know, so we had we touched nicely as homage with the arm wrestling. And we, there was this idea of, okay, well, we'll just abstract all that away. It's a call and response thing. Um, we should have shortened the dull darn thing, you know, made it a really shorter puzzle. Maybe. And then really hit you over, and then really hit you over the head with what happens when you know because the final puzzle with it with the the giant robot where you actually have to play to tie is a solid adventure game puzzle, but we really needed to hit you over the head with the foreshadowing better so that you don't just trip upon it in the end. Yeah. Um, and we should have recorded more monkey sounds. <laughs> yeah, we've got, there are about three sounds, and you you get to know those sounds pretty well throughout the game. <laughs> oh, yeah. uh, yeah. But the, you know that is part that is part of it, and it, you know it was it was twenty years ago, yeah. so you know we, we're not going to be too harsh on the game. It's still it's still a classic. I mean, it, it at the time d did it feel like there was still a lot. A long way to go for adventure time, adventure games. I'm kind of just wondering at, at the time because obviously it was the last adventure game that LucasArts did. W were you thinking, oh, there's going to be because obviously Freelance P Police was supposed to come afterwards. There was a, there was another, uh, you know. Well, and then all the uh, then every uh, every European adventure gamer died. So yeah, they all just the, died on the same day. It was amazing, uh, <laughs> but. Um, there was a sense of, a, of an age starting to come to a close. Um, there was a lot of writing on the wall at LucasArts that, hey, you know, this Star Wars thing is uh, makes us money. Um, we should do Star Wars games. And adventure games, you know, even in the golden age, 
you know, didn't sell spectacularly and they were expensive to make. Um, so, you know, it, you know, it wasn't until, and, you know, even the telltale formula later on worked really well for about a couple of the, uh, without, you know, telling too many tales, uh, worked really well with a couple of licenses and then, you know, probably didn't, you know, and they got ridiculously expensive to make. I mean, those were basically, we're doing, you know, half hour long movies really. And, you know, you have to sell a lot to make those work. Um, so there was a sense that it was a kind of fading and, you know, it's a, the fact, you know, the fact, you know, as uh, one of your, um, you know, viewers mentioned the whole commercialization angle, um, you know, did, you know, there was a slight cynicism that probably leaked into the whole theme there. Um, I'm going to, sorry, someone is, I'll let it go. Um, there was a little cynicism that probably leaked into the theme. Um, so yeah, there was a sense that it was all kind of drifting away. Um, fortunately, you know, from where we were sitting in our isolated little bubble at, uh, at the Death Star complex, um, we didn't notice it as much at the time. You know, at the time, you know, we were, you know, just happily uh, churning away, at, you know, telling jokes and, and coming up with horribly abstruse puzzles at times. Um, that was the other thing, you know, even aside from, you know, the, uh, the sunset of the, uh, you know, golden age of adventure games, it was also probably one of the last, uh, mess with the player style adventure game, classic adventure games okay. from, uh, done it by a big company. I mean, cause there are some things in there where we are sort of, uh, gratuitously awful to the player, uh, <laughs> like, you know, uh, well, there's a you know, when you get to Lucre, there's a number of um, puzzles that you can't just write out in a FAQ file uh, for the masses. It's like you, we're going to explain to you how this puzzle is going to work, but because Stemley decided to randomize everything, you're going to have to figure out the individual complexity of this puzzle yourself. Uh. You're going to have to, you know, there's a lot of code breaky kind of stuff in there. Um, and, you know, and there's also, you know, because we're, we weren't as nice. I, I was looking over the walkthrough this morning. It's like, oh yeah, there's a lot of places where I made people just go back and forth for no good reason. <laughs> yeah. Uh, like, someone yeah. in the chat says the swamp section, apparently of Luca. Swamp section. I, I'm going to cop to the, uh, something I'm really happy with how the swamp the the uh, the mist of time puzzle worked out yes um that's a the mist of time puzzle works out just exactly how i imagined it i will also admit to ripping off that concept from another game uh if you i, I will does anybody want to guess what game i ripped that off i'm from? gonna leave this uh, leave this open to the chat if they want to guess I'll, I'll let yeah I, I ripped it off from a i ripped off the basic idea of it from another game that was somewhat contemporaneous or maybe a year or so before that i played um it's an, uh, a point point and click text adventure game uh from around that time um Ooh. but yeah. Yes. Um, but the basic idea of being presented with a scenario and having to figure out how that scenario got to be so that you can uh, 
go mar- march backwards through time. Yeah, I, I, I borrowed that liberally. I, none of the puzzles are the same. And of course, it's all in a proper adventure game environment with, you know, having this maneuver around. Um, but yeah, there's, uh, I thought that is a spectacular idea. And the next time I get a chance to, I'm going to do a really full adventure game. Yeah, I'm going to do a good version of it. Um, <laughs> and uh, someone will figure it out. Um, I'm going to leave it open. I'll ask you at the end if I remember. Uh, yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, that, speaking that of... One works okay, sorry, go ahead. Go ahead. No, continue. No, no, go, go, go on, go on. Well, we're here I, for you. I, not I've got nothing, actually. <laughs> okay. No, uh, no, I was just gonna... I, no I'm... Yeah. Um, I'm going to leave it open to the chat to try and guess that, but I was just going to say... Um, were there were there any characters that didn't make it into the game? You might not be able to remember this, but were were there people that you wanted, or were there things that you wanted to do with the game that that didn't make it? Um, the there was a much more ambitious uh, version of I think uh, Sean's uh, giant pachinko puzzle in Monkey Island that just was never going to work. Uh, so that got shortened considerably. There was, um. Bits on, uh, actually, I can't think of, we put most of the stuff in that we wanted. I imagine that somewhere around on the smaller island with Miss Rivers, uh, they, we probably had more puzzles originally. Uh, it got much shorter uh, as things started to get cut. God, we had that whole bit with the crows, too. Man. Oh, yes. That worked out okay. Uh, gratuitous Odin references. <laughs> um man yeah um but no i think we, the funniest things were you know we there were some things we got that we didn't ex- that we that were embarrassing that we got um there's like a bank the bank manager um we um you know because we have you know we rewrite up casting ideas you know for voice character voice actors and things and i said we you know is is this ridiculously minor character has like six lines of dialogue and we'd like a jeffrey jones type you know the principal from ferris bueller's day off yes yes yeah and they went out and got a jeffrey jones it's like we're gonna drag jeffrey jones into a studio to read these six lines why are you doing this to us Uh, but i'm happy that we similarly we got Edie mcclurg to play miss rivers who's the secretary and Fearless Fearless Day Off and she did all those wonderful lines like oh that that was great um no I I think we got most of the things that we actually wanted in that game um which is insane and probably a sign that LucasArts was being a little too slack with giving us what we wanted um you know there were hard we had to we were constantly fighting, you know, there's, there's cut scenes that are cinematic that we pre-record and, and that's great because we can, you know, back then we couldn't swing the camera all over the place. As you noticed, uh, you know, during most of the regular game scenes, all the backgrounds are just pre-rendered flats. And so we can only have a couple of camera angles because every time we added a camera angle, we'd have to pre-render the backgrounds and make new versions of the walk boxes and all that. And, um, you know, so that was most of the tension was trying to decide, okay, we're going to spring for another camera angle here or what? Um, 
So that was it. And trying to get the, you know, trying to get the, you know, the, the musical cues to work. And, you know, we were working with a, um, a newer version of or a revamped version of what used to be the iMuse system so that everything, you know, all of those wonderful musical hooks could happen properly when the action was hooked up. Um, that was, you know, that was hard. Anyway, I could go on for hours. Which is good. Um, good. I, I mean, it's a big game. <laughs> Don't forget, it's a huge, it's actually a really big game. It is. Yeah. I mean, it is. I, you know, like I said, I told you yesterday, I, until yesterday, I'd like completely forgotten like an entire act of the game. It's like, whoa, oh, that's right. There's an entire island of other stuff here. <laughs> it's like, oh, man. And that's even before you get to Monkey Island. Um, so, yeah, I mean, it is. It is, you could easily have, you know, to use the telltale model, for example, you could easily have chopped that all up into a season of a telltale game. Um, and that would have worked out just fine. Um, it is, yeah, and, and that's the other thing is back when we made just huge adventure games, um, that was, you know, I think about that in Fate of Atlantis, the game I, one of the, the adventure games I worked on previously, Fate of Atlantis is also just this monster scope of a game uh, that you know. Yeah, let's do three branches. That that'll be easy. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but the, I mean, at the time, that's what that's what people wanted, I guess. That's or, what you had to do. If you're yeah, gonna charge for, if you're gonna charge forty bucks for a game in a box, you gotta give them a lot of content. Yeah. Um, Nowadays, of course, everything is this um, very interesting, you know, the game never ends model, right? Which is, you know, again, uh, a tricky thing. Uh, it's, it's an amazing thing. Um, you know, I, for the last, you know, I've been working, I've been working in the, uh, in the casual games, uh, mobile games minds for the last few years, getting my head wrapped around that. And what it's good because it's been a nice uh, way to relax after years of like, how am I gonna put a story that I really want to tell up with the game and try and make it work? And you know, as as things got you know through the years at Telltale, I was always wrestling with the the issue that stories are not games. <laughs> um, and you know, by and large, you tell stories about the games. You can tell stories about the games. I played, you know, we played this great game. We played a great uh, game of ba basketball this afternoon. Let me tell you how it went. You can have an emergent narrative that comes out of a, a game like, that way. Or you can actually say, I've got a story and I, I want to tell generally, right? And that's you know where the telltale model eventually drifted is like i've got this story it's got some things going on inside of it but it's not really a game it stopped being at some point they became really cool spectacular interactive fiction right it's this is gonna you know it's gonna have a beginning a middle and the end there's gonna be some things going on in the middle and they told these wonderful stories these wonderful interactive experiences um, but you know, they, they stopped being 
games per se in sort of my sense of the strict definition. And I think that's a, you know, that's definitely a path, you know, that more people should pursue. For a few months at the beginning of this year, I was working at a um, place called Fog Bank that was just doing straight up interactive fiction for mobile uh, before Disney shut it down foolishly. Um, Disney! As they are wanted. Yeah. <laughs> Disney! <laughs> um, yes, exactly. Um, and that's a whole thing that should be continued to be explored. I think there's also this market for puzzle games, puzzle story games, where the story story's a nice window dressing, sometimes with particularly moving moments and things like that. But mostly they need to, you know, if you're going to do a full-on puzzly game like that, I think you got to make sure the story stays the heck out of your way for those. I think they're... And, I, and, and interestingly, I think, by and large, um, the old school graphics really helped that a lot. Um, it, when, you know, indie studios do these nice, you know, old style pixel 2D kind of things um, to, you know, that helps with the storytelling. One of the things that, you know, made got harder and harder and harder, Monkey Island in particular, um, was the whole someone says something guybrush tell you know gives you a punchline and a dialogue choice or vice versa um got harder and harder to feel right pretty much instantly as soon as we added voice but even more so the more there is this sort of uh as the 3d got better and better in the verisimilitude of experience oh, i'm actually in there and there's a I'm in a space and now I'm waiting for Guybrush to say a punchline because I haven't tapped it yet. Became more and more of an issue. It's one of the, you know, it's one of the reasons that the whole free flowing telltale model worked so well. Eventually it's like, Nope, if you don't do anything, things are going to continue happening. Mm, yeah. um, you know, right. Um, and you know, the guys who eventually uh, did the borderlands, you know, it's like, well, the joke's got to happen without you. Um, and and so again, not quite as much of a game. So that's why I said I think the pixelated stuff works really well mm. um, because it's the primitiveness of it. Frankly, going all text, not having voice, often makes it better. Um, there's less of a feel that your rhythm has been disrupted when you don't hear a voice talking um, because. It feels slightly more, uh, I'm still in a computer. I'm still, you know, it's still a, you know, it's not a real person just sort of waiting for some other real person to talk. Um, so, yeah, um, it's, yeah, I even forgot what the question was. <laughs> I was going to say that. I was going to ask you, can you remember what the question was there? But you answered it well. You answered many questions well, though. Questions, uh, yeah. I think about this stuff a lot I'm because sure i'm stuck do. in my house yeah. well i was gonna yeah. i was gonna say about your thoughts uh on on the game now on escape from monkey island now because at the time it was you know it was reviewed pretty well it did pretty well i think more recently for some reason some people are a bit down on it but um you know i i don't well, the, the, monkey, the, the primitiveness of the 3d doesn't play well uh yeah. compared to let's say telltale we hey we could actually make good look you know really nice looking models um the monkey combat thing does it does you know, it has third act problems let's just be honest uh it has some third act problems 
um, it does stomp and, you know, it does stomp on the whole Herman Toothrot is Elaine's secret grandfather thing. <laughs> Probably a little bit too much of us wanting to make a mark on the, uh, on the license uh, can be freely ignored. Feel free, free feel free to head cannon that out. <laughs> um, but, and it, you know, it comes on the, you know, so it's, 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 it's the, uh, it's an odd child in the middle between curse and the telltale games. Do you think it was just unlucky? Like you say, they were, it wasn't, 3D was still a relatively new thing. So it was a bit unlucky that it just came around at that time. It's, it, there's a lot of that. Yeah. And, you know, it, <laughs> The funny thing is it would be impossible, almost impossible to do a nice dress up of it now, a re-release where you've cleaned everything up. It would just be somebody would have to go in and sue, you know, it's not like the, let's make a scum, a virtual scum engine and voila, it all runs and we can just redress all the, all the uh, frames. So there's some of that. Um, but, you know, there's, like I said, there's lots of good puzzles in it. It's lots of good, you know, like I said, it's the, the last of the mess with the player uh, puzzles. Um, you know, be, you know, it's hard at times that game. Um, you know, as opposed to as opposed to later, where it was pretty much no, no, no. We just we actually have to make a uh, in both the uh, in all of the Telltale early games um, before it switched over to the Walking Dead model. We spent a long time working on a clue system that basically the longer you went without figuring out the next puzzle, the more people would like randomly shout, hey, maybe you should look over here. <laughs> maybe maybe you should talk to that guy. <laughs> maybe you should pick that thing up and hit him over the head with it. <laughs> you know, um, and we spent hours and hours coming up with that clue system for in, on Telltale. And I think Escape, we have a little bit of that, but it was actually for that. What did we have in Escape? We had, you actually could just go to, I think we actually did have a thing you could click that would, yeah, we had, I think, a more uh, overt hint system, but, you know, no one uses those. <laughs> um, but, um uh, you know, I've I've gotten to be a much better adventure game designer since then. I think um, I would. I, would, I, I mean, I'd I argue you were still to. quite a good one then. I, don't put yourself down, Mike. Yeah, I'm even become a. I think a better adventure game designer, pro, a much better storyteller. Um, you know, I, I probably spent a lot more time investing in how to properly structure a story uh, since then. I was looking over those first puzzles. Uh, as you were playing them going good grief really I you know I the first thing you're doing in the after the you know the um, wonderful pirate setup there is you're going to an island to talk to lawyers and breaking up a catapult what the heck was I thinking <laughs> it's like where's the piratey stuff um, yeah so there are things like that that I you know would definitely uh, pull off a lot better these days um story-wise uh, and speaking well we'll, you know, we'll go even further back now because i did want to also ask you a bit about sam and max obviously uh and i will ask ah. you about the vr game but i just wanted to know a little bit about what it was like really working with with steve purcell for, for hit the road i mean 
How, what what was the team dynamic there? Because obviously they were his kind of creations because he had the comic first, didn't he? Um, and w- yeah. would he just kind of come up with ideas and you went with it? Or well, what, what was it like? Very, uh, <laughs> it was very fluid. Um, the whole thing was kind of loosely based uh, around um, his, uh, you know, road trip uh, comics that he did with Sam and Max, um, where they just went all over the place. He had the basic idea for uh, rescuing a Bigfoot, I seem to recall. And we just, you know, we came up with, I can't even remember the process. I, I remember we we sold the game to the company. They wanted a Sam and Max from us. We had like a three-page pitch. <laughs> that's, a, that's how you could get games started at LucasArts back wow, then. Wow, okay. Three-page pitch. Yeah. <laughs> um, for the story um you know sean and i realized very early on we didn't want to do for example uh dialogue trees uh, the old way we wanted to do them subject based so you couldn't see the jokes coming um that was, so that's how we got the icon based interface and steve was great to work with uh steve has always been great to work with we were we also were working with um his fiance was lead artist on the whole thing, uh, Colette Michelle. They got married in the middle of the project. There's always that weird thing. We realized at companies, when you get married at a game company, you inevitably like invite members of your team to your wedding. People who, under normal circumstances, like they wouldn't be in your wedding party. I did, when I got married, there were people I was working with at the time. It's like, hmm, okay, they're all here at my wedding. Uh, so Aww. yeah, we got to challenge. Yeah, Steve and uh, Colette, Steve's wedding cake had a salmon Ma- had a salmon Max Max in a bridal gown on top. Oh. Of it. Oh, but the cool. four of us basically kind of kicked that all to you know put it all together, and it was like any other project. There are times where it was just you know you know everything was moving swimmingly. We were in sync, and at times we were having little our disagreements. Um, but you know, in the end. I'm, you know, I'm happy that, you know, it, I, we eventually get the tone right uh, for the characters, um, which can be hard, uh, you know, and I'll talk about that later uh, because they, Steve's voice is very distinct. It's that I, I've often described it as, you know, putting absolutely the uh, wrong adjective in exactly the right place. Um, there's a lot of that, um, you know, you know, his, his, he doesn't uh, do the thing that he doesn't fall into the trap that I fall into, which is the uh, being over impressed with your own vocabulary and you know, reaching for a big word when a proper small word will do, but just hitting that right note of strangeness. Um, and it's also interesting to see how Steve's sense of humor has shifted over the decades as well. Um, his you know those initial comics of his are a lot harsher and more violent i mean not in a bloody kind of way but in a sort of hey isn't it fun to pummel somebody uh then you know he's drifted a little away from that (laughs) over the years um so we were you know there's a lot of that still in that first game with you know hey let's reach inside a cat and throw it away and that kind of thing yeah i was gonna say there's um, there's a fair amount lucasarts let you get away with in that game there is and it you know and all of it just wonderfully strange that you know we took a lot of things that 
might be in a background in a Steve uh, strip, the whole bungee jumping out of the nostrils and Mount Rushmore thing. You know, that could very easily be a background thing that he would just draw and, you know, and then say, no, let's go up into the, and jump off and do puzzles based on that. Um, things like that. His his fondness for, you know, cool retro kitsch stuff is also, you know, spectacular. And one of the things we eventually, we kept doing over and over again, he has a collection, Steve has a collection of ventriloquist, creepy ventriloquist dummies, um, in, in his house that's you know something to behold um you know and we eventually got around to doing those it's not in you know we had one in the first game just sitting up there and being creepy eventually we got around to you know we've got to have a ventriloquist dummy episode um you know it, it was fun it was big fun and again the company let us get away with all kinds of random stuff that you know they shouldn't have <laughs> uh, you know, they they tried to hold us to a budget and we blew right past it. Um, you know, <laughs> um, and it worked out cause we got a good game out of it and that's nice. Yeah, you definitely did. Uh, and then it must've been quite a strange, strange feeling to return to that for, for freelance police and it, it not be quite the same feeling at all, really. Well, it was the same feeling in a lot of ways. Mm. The company anymore. Uh, so he was, you know, he was basically just, you know, making sure the script, you know, the story sound, seemed sound and the script didn't, you know, do anything strange and, you know, throwing in again those really great words. And like I said, the whole thing flew apart. Um, it would have been very interesting to, um, you know, was sort of a precursor in a lot of ways to what Telltale would eventually do. It was going to be episodic. Um, we were going to bundle all the episodes together initially. That was the theory, you know, episodic with a serialized story running through it. Um, and frankly, had a lot of the same people involved. Um, but it, it, it felt pretty much the same until suddenly it wasn't. Um, and that's was that the like best an overnight to... thing, or was that the cup? You know, did that seem it quite was a sudden weird? Thing? It seemed like a sudden thing. It was going to be, it was an ambitious game. Uh, if I'd be honest, probably too ambitious by half. Um, you know, we were going to have mini games in it that you could replay on a, you know, we had a little handheld creature that was kind of like a, um, uh, um, a Nintendo uh, DS or something that you could replay the mini games from earlier episodes on and get high scores and things. And, when frankly we could have just had oh let's just do the story game um but we felt like we needed to push more gameplay into it and so that was being, it was interesting we had a whole thing we had an episode on a space station built by third world countries in which the closing mini game was kind of like the tron master control thing where you had to knock out uh, panels in a sort of 3D uh, breakout thing. But the master control thing, the trying, it was all made out of nacho chips. Okay. Um, and the master control was a big triangle computer nacho chip. Like I said, ambitious. <laughs> yes. um, yeah. And it would have been wonderful, but it was, yeah. And it was, did seem very sudden at the time. I was probably much better. Uh, 
I was very good when I was younger about trying to insulate myself from the goings on way above me. And that was probably didn't work out too well for me because I was shocked. Uh, I think a lot happened. of people were shocked though. A lot of people were shocked at the time. A lot of people were shocked. I think they, the company was probably possibly not doing a good idea of communicating, you know, issues at the time uh, with, you know, the, the market and their desire to continue doing many, many, many more Star Wars things. Um, which is, you know, fair for them because Star Wars made money. I got to work on a couple of Star Wars things, so I'm happy. Um, you know, I, I got to write Star Wars for a little bit. That was fun. Um, and then we picked it all up. And, yeah. And then we picked it all up again in Telltale. Yeah. I was going to say, I and mean, I said, but I mean, people are saying in the chat, you know, they would like to play Freelance Police, but I'm guessing that's just, is that ever going to be possible, do you think? I, uh, it's never going to be possible. I have all the cutscenes on DVDs here at home, and really? occasionally some of them leak out. Yes, we had Alex Borstein playing the the big villain in that uh, from uh, Family Guy. Did you? She was great. Yeah, we got to hang out with Alex Borstein for a while. Uh, the um, no, it's it's problem is it was. That was a situation where we, you know, one of the things like getting back to earlier, we built a brand new engine uh, for it. So there's no way that it could be, you know, it's not like we could put it on scum VM or anything like that. Uh, so trying to drag that up from the dead would be practically impossible. The game was 70% built. Oh, so wow. Okay. That. So pre that's pretty far. <laughs> that's pretty far. Yeah, and where was but all that the, gone? the remaining 30%. What? Where, sorry, I was just going to say, where is all that gone? You, you've still got most of it. It's all, people have it. Okay. <laughs> I don't, without okay. saying anything. No, 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 sure, yeah. have yeah. it, but yeah. Um, you know, I'm happy that if some people have noticed that some of it uh, in um, uh, Poker Night at the Inventory 2, uh, pretty much uh, there's a story thread where Sam and Max pretty much lay out everything that would have happened in that story. Uh, they just start talking about it, uh, along with the uh, secret unrecorded love theme from uh, Sam and Max at the road. Oh. Um, I got all. Yeah, there is a there is a point where I got all of the uh, actors around the table to sing line by line the uh, a song we wrote for Hit the Road that never got recorded, uh, mostly because we realized we ripped off the theme from Thunderball. Um, it, it's <laughs> one of those. I was writing, I wrote the song, and then someone, you're just saying that that tune is entirely the tune from Thunderball. Oh, darn it. So I guess we can't use that. Uh, um so yeah, so that's all we. I basically Easter egged most of the plot from Freelance Police and uh, Poker Night. Nice. I'll have to play um, that then. So I that's, haven't. I'll that's have the. Oh, you should play that. So it's basically a poker simulator that's a joke delivery mechanism. Thousands and thousands of jokes. Excellent. Um, yeah. <laughs> I've got a question. Uh, moving on to sort of telltale stuff. Uh, Billards in the chat has said. Uh, and I, I'm going to ask a bit more about Telltale stuff, but it says back around 2009, there were rumblings around Telltale doing some episodic uh, Maniac, Ma Maniac Mansion, Day of the Tentacles stuff. Any light you can shine on that? 
at any given moment and telltale they're that kind of stuff um yeah maniac mansion was rumbled about um yeah basically all but you know LucasArts owned all that stuff and now disney owned all that stuff um we got to do sam and max obviously because steve did all that stuff uh owned all that um monkey island was the you know the biggest one we could do and so we latched on and got ron gilbert to help us out with the story on that um pretty much as soon as lucas arts got sold to disney that was all over um you know disney wasn't particularly inclined i don't think i mean there were all yeah there were all kinds of things um it's one of those every and some of it keeps coming back i mean we got there was talk about doing venture brothers for a while there was talk about doing um uh gorillas a gorillas game which would have been insane um, hmm. Frankly, I'm not entirely sure any of us in the building were hip enough to do <laughs> gorillas. It's yeah, like, how yeah. would that work? I'm, in- <laughs> I'm intrigued, but yeah, I uh, yes, as you can tell, it's like yes, forty-something-year-old uh, Mike Stemley is totally plugged into the modern music scene. Um, yeah, gorillas could have been it. You know, gorillas would have been just like an insane Scooby-Doo, I think. Um, Right. Um, there is gorillas. There was something along the line that was, I realized years later, oh, yeah, we were almost like, you know, Disney's Descendants license. Oh, okay. The, yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yes. We were pitching that to Disney, like, as a game before it became a thing. It's like, oh, chill. I mean, it's an obvious thing. Oh, yeah. Children of the villains. Yeah, yeah you should do a story like that. Um, but yeah, at any given time at Telltale, especially in that weird interregnum between Walking Dead and us doing all these really big licenses, there's like, oh yeah, we should do this and this and this, you know, see if we can do anything. So yeah, Day of the Tentacle came up. Uh, I particularly was really interested in the notion that the tentacles were actually just weird extrusions of some, uh, you know, uh, Lovecraftian dark god that were just sticking out into our world, um, but in a cute way. <laughs> yes, yeah. that could have worked. It would have been, it would have been insane. Yeah. Um, but yeah, <laughs> so there was all kinds of that stuff, you know. Um, but yes, there was talk. You know, I God only knows what will happen with those licenses in the future. Mm. They're kind of. I have this sinking suspicion that Disney doesn't even really have. Them. <laughs> yeah right yeah um it's yeah. just there yeah um, so uh but it must have felt it's nice just to... there. It's a... yeah and it's just there for them to kind of have maybe yeah yeah it felt nice to get back to monkey island and to get some closure on sam and max uh while working at telltale um i think i think guys like jake rodkin did an you know amazing job with uh the end, wrapping up the and Jake Rodkin and Mark Darren did an amazing job wrapping up the Monkey Island story, um, and I, you know, uh, you know, for the next few years anyway, until someone wants to kind of touch on it again, and you know, I think people, I think people like uh, Chuck Jordan, um, working on Sam and Max, did you know, amazing job of, especially in that last season uh, with Sam and Max. Did a great job weaving together an amazing story there. Um, 
yeah, I'm just happy I got to play with it again for a while. Oh, if if it's all right with you, I'm I'm very interested to ask a little bit about Sam and Max the VR game, which you're currently working on. You're back to Sam and Max again. You can't get enough of yes. Sam and Max. It's just every ten years. Yeah. You know, <laughs> uh, you know, I'll do this, and then uh, when I'm, you know. When I'm in my 60s, I'll get to do it to write a Sam and Max game with the little chips in our heads that uh, play them. Um, that, you know, I, as I got a call uh, was worked uh, with over at LucasArts has um, this company called Happy Giant. They've done some VR before. They somehow worked out a deal. They worked out a deal with Steve to work on and, you know, hustled up some money to build a VR game. Um, and as it happened, that company that folded, you know, earlier in the year, uh, folded. So I had some time on my hands, um, and, you know, it came around that they hey, help us write this story, you know, write the story, do the, do some design work, write a bunch of dialogue, you know, so jo joined up. Um, it's a very interesting beast, um, VR. Uh, I'd worked a little with it over at my previous company, Monkey Fun, just doing the tank battle game, a cool you know, um, and I actually finally got to, you know, they shipped over an Oculus that I got to play with for a couple of weeks. Um, I shouldn't have said that out loud. <laughs> <laughs> um, so that I, uh, an Oculus so I could see what VR is all about, Yeah, you know, and actually play with the VR gear. Um, and, um, the, you know, it is amazing. Um, you know, the, just the the experience of it um and it's a challenge because you know you're probably gonna ask the you know how does that even work uh for an adventure yeah game? how does it um, work for an adventure game mike uh because you can't be sam and max in a vr experience it's just not gonna work so you know luckily we there was an idea that had been bouncing around for a mobile game or you know, the next uh, PC game for a few years, the notion of a Sam and Max Freelance Police Academy, um, you know, where you, the player, are being guided through the experience of becoming a police officer. Um, and so we just ran with that. Um, you know, so it is going to be a lot more of, it's a, you know, an experience in which, you know, they need help and they're getting old. <laughs> Uh, old Sam and Max. Um, we do a few. There are a few jokes of them. Hey, remember that thing we did in the '90s? How old are we anyway? Kind of humor. Um, and they've got a you know they've got a training center, and there's lots of cool things you can do in VR that we never could do in PC games. Um, you know, um, lots of even you know the experience of standing six feet on the off the ground on a platform and looking down is enough to give you the willies mm. um you don't have to be all that fast paced you know doing a climbing wall uh which would be virtually nothing in a pc game actually having to grab a thing and pull yourself up that's nice and so we you know we went we ran with that we've just got these series of wonderfully absurd you know freelance police training challenges wrapped around or in the middle of a delightfully odd story that I'm not going to spoil too much about. Mm -hmm. uh, it's, you know, the usual, a lot of, there's, there's a saving, a major saving the world component. There's a 
you know, a very uh, retro kitschy hook uh, for the for the ultimate bad guy, um, in a, you know, involving, you know, a beloved toy from the 1950s, um, a ride that I dearly miss from Disneyland um, that I will not say which one, but it is a ride that is no longer there. And I so people can try and figure that out. Um, and, uh, you know, occasional and dips into the city to go fight a, uh, a, a guy named Teddy Talks, uh, who is a futurist. And I think there's a demon. Yeah, we did uh, finally do a demon in a supermarket like the comic books because we figured we should do that at some point. Um, and it is interesting um, just to have a, you know, in the start of the game, you know, you flip over a flaming uh, dumpster on your head, and there's Sam standing right in front of you. Wow. And Max is aside, and it is just the strangest thing in the world. <laughs> it's like, oh man, that's just amazing. And then it just goes from there, and you're, they're throwing you, they're immediately, you know, tossing a rocket launcher at you and telling you to go shoot a giant monster. Um, you know, all of the stuff in the trailer that you've seen so far is pretty much just stuff from the first five minutes. Okay. Because we don't want to spoil anything. No, yeah, of course. Yeah, it's, yeah, the, uh, the, the giant, uh, the giant uh, five-headed planarian worm is uh, just from the beginning. Okay. Because you should see. Because we've learned how to start things with a bang yeah. the last 20 years. And, uh, <laughs> uh, it, just, it just gets stranger from there. Um, it is interesting coming back to them again. Um, you know, trying, it, it, we, you know, embrace all of their gaming history uh, in the in the story as much as we can. We obviously have to be a little oblique since we're an entirely different company now. But yeah, I mean, we have one thing we definitely are uh, pushing. You know, one one joke that we definitely had to do is we had to make reference to the original VR game in Freeland in uh, Hit the Road. Oh yeah, uh, it's there. Yeah, uh, it's cool. somewhere in there. Is the uh, yeah yonder lies the castle of my father, the king. Um, but uh, we have you know we can't use obviously any of the uh, Telltale characters that got added. Um, um, because they don't belong to us, mm. um, but we've re- you know we have some references to them. We have re- you know references to the fact that you know Max isn't even the original Max anymore because of time travel shenanigans. And those kind of jokes crop up for the uh, true fans, um, but mostly it's its own thing now. It's uh, you know we've we uh, give a little bit more insight into well. Insight or not insight into what the heck is the freelance police anyway, because there's still a an open question about whether or not the freelance police actually exist, or whether or not Sam and Max are just a couple of psychos running around beating up bad guys. <laughs> I and would love if that was the to talk case. To the commissioner. <laughs> right, the commissioner may not be a real person. <laughs> yeah. um, it's not like you get to talk to him. Um, um, so we've got all that. We've got all the, the training ground, abandoned um, amusement park on a pier in the city um, that's been falling apart. Um, and all the rides have been reimagined to um, 
to uh, allow for things like obstacle courses, bomb diffusing uh, 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 training, uh, target training. We do have shooting galleries that are just amazing. Um, you know, rotating shooting galleries with different dioramas on them, just like like the the really nice ones that you see in some theme parks um, and things like that. So it sounds like I guess it's going to be slightly more kind of like mini game actiony rather than puzzly or is is there going to be still an adventure game element there are, there's there there is still there's an adventure game element especially you know every every few once you succeed in you know de- getting a decent enough score and a few of the trials they get called into the city and do some adventure gaming in there okay. to stop a current threat and then they come back and do some more of that and a couple of the um a couple of the uh, training areas are full-on adventure we have a uh, basically a full-on escape room is one of them you know uh, we're tentatively calling get a clue which is basically that oh, we're dumped in here we've ran basically it's a stemly uh, special it's we, we dump you in a room we've randomized all the puzzles get yourself out okay um, while sam while sam and max are snarking at you through the speaker um it is one of the uh, I will say in this mode, as opposed to the usual games, it is much the writing, the dialogue for Sam and Max is, is definitely a trap in a lot of ways. You have to be very careful not to write all of the dialogue in a form of, I'm Sam, I'm saying something useful, a puzzle that you're doing now. And I'm Max, here's a joke, <laughs> right? You have to remember to make Sam funny because <laughs> otherwise Sam becomes the straight guy. Yeah, yeah. Um, Sam and Sam is really funny at times in a sort of uh, dry kind of way. Um, it made it really fun writing him Poker Night because he got to when he, you know since Max was way over on the side of the table and Sam was the guy who was playing poker, he had to actually carry his own jokes most of the time. And uh, when he does, it's really nice. Uh, Leiko Sam in, in the chat asks are there any options that allow the player to choose how they want Sam and Max to be voiced in the VR game I knew you mean by which actors I'm guessing I think I think this is what they mean yes no we're uh, using the same guys uh, Telltale games uh, they are they you know it would be really expensive to record all the dialogue twice um, especially since in this game they are carrying a lot more of the load than usual. There is, we have other characters, but they aren't as omnipresent as you know. Sam and Max are telling you to shoot more or climb higher or you know punch that clown. Um, <laughs> so does that happen? <laughs> so yes, yeah, we are. There are there are some clown punching. It's always good to have good. clown punching. Um, the um, no, that's um, we are Peter Chan, who designed the backgrounds for the original Hit the Road game, um, and drew those uh, artists who design, uh, came on board to do the concept art um, for this game, uh, which is great because they he he is an absolute master and he's been working in VR recently, and so he was able he's able to say, okay, yeah, sure, you want to. You know, you want a broken down amusement park, but it should look, you know, here's what you need in order to grade as you come in and so forth. And we'll make this a steps up and so forth. And it's, 
you know, so it's actually really looks like one of his very Purcellian drawings come to life. Um, it's, it's, it's beautiful. You'd, it's, it is nice that, you know, basically you can just wander around in this world and be happy for a good 30 minutes. <laughs> just, ah, I'm just going to look around at everything. I don't really, and it, you know, it is amazing in that way that you don't, you know, random comments about the world don't have to take up as much of your, of the, of the game because you're so, it's so viscerally there, you know, you don't have to have a, a line that says what's on a poster yeah. because you can just walk up to the darn poster and read it. Uh, it's so much, there's a lot of ways it frees us up to do a lot more interesting things. It, I mean, it sounds really exciting. I mean, I love the idea of adventure games going into VR. Do, do you think this is this is is this I, the start of it, or is this a, just an experiment? I think I think there's. A, I well, <laughs> it seems like everything in VR is an experiment. Sure, yeah. Um, it, it all it, there's a lot of VR, which is hey, let's try this and see if this catches on, and people will start buying the gear. Um, the um, but I think there is something there. I mean, you know, as I said, there's certain things that, you know, we've had to do. You know, we, you're not going to play as Sam and Max anymore. Um, and that can be okay if, you, you know, if you're making a nice new... I think there's something to it. I mean, there should be more essentially escape room kind of adventures in VR than there are right now. There's a number of them, but there should be more. I and mean, that's sort of classic adventure gaming. Um, it is a little tricky. Um, what ha you know, what I've noticed in a lot of the VR games so far is, you know, if you've got other characters in there with you, that whole problem of you not doing anything becomes even more of a visceral problem when there are people right there who kind of want you to do something. Uh, some games, you know, some very games you know attempt to address this by frankly having the other characters just constantly shouting at you at times <laughs> and sort of um so you run into the problem of either you've got to either write a lot and a lot of a lot of the writing i've had to do for this one is you know sam and max you know if you're hanging out in the hub you know sam and max kind of got to keep talking <laughs> until you do something you know they don't have to be constantly but they you know hey you know, how about those mats? You know, it's just going to, just so, so that the world doesn't feel even more empty. Um, so that's a problem there. If you're doing much more mist-like kind of things, which, you know, I think there is a mist VR game coming, as I seem to recall. Um, you know, big empty world as it is. So, yeah. you know, that's just fine. I think there's, I think there is, you know, things are going to start happening there in that space is my sense and there's going to be nice stories wrapped into it probably short stories at first i think that's a good way to start um we're kind of doing sort of little story lets we're letting you know, letting the story sort of seep into the game every now and then uh, i'm gonna go do some more writing to make sure there's enough seepage this week in fact um but you know it's i think it's coming Good. Hopefully. We're looking forward to it. I really like the sound of it. Um, uh, Calculon yeah. in the chat says, is it is it coming to PSVR or is it an Oculus exclusive? 
I I have I I you, you might know, not know. I like I said I I am I cannot say any sure. platforms it will be on. Um, you know, I did borrow an Oculus to find out what VR was all about, um, but I will neither confirm nor deny any of the platforms right now. <laughs> um, we'd like to get it out there on as many as possible, but that's just me. Um, yeah. Yeah. But we'll, there will be announcements. It should be coming out early next year. That's the theory. Some, the you know, um, nice thing about uh, one of the few thing, nice things about the this whole pandemic sweeping across the globe is a lot of game development can happen without actually going into an office. So it's kind of bubbling along. Um, last I saw, yeah, I think they were starting to work on the last act of it. Um, right now we haven't recorded all the voice we'll definitely need to go do a lot of pickups um you know the the, the whole nature of you know the whole nature of vr has made it a lot easier you know you have to wait a while and then go into the game and say wow this is a dead space we need to add more dialogue it's uh, much uh so there'll be a lot we're learning as we go a lot about that do you have any other questions? I do. Yes, well, I was going to say, we'll finish off soon, Mike, because I, I know you've, you've uh, I know I said, I think on the email, I think I said no. maybe 10 minutes or so, but um, I hope you don't mind. Uh, no, uh, you get, that's, that's one answer out of me. Yeah. 10 yeah. minutes. Um, well, uh, Retro Rizzler in the chat says, do you have a fave adventure that you had nothing to do with? A fave adventure game that you didn't have anything to do with? There can't be many. There nothing. There aren't that many because there aren't that many. Um, I will, um, I say, I, you know, I enjoyed most, a lot of the Sierra from when I was younger. Um, I really liked at the time, and I'd have to go back and see, there was a, um, in the classic adventure game mold, there was the uh, Star Trek, um, the classic Star Trek adventure game that was done, um, with the original series characters that I thought was one of the few Star Trek uh, licensed products that managed to be true to the spirit of the license, do a whole bunch of things, you know, had landing parties, had stuff happening on the ship um, and had you know, solid writing. Uh, I liked that. Um, I'm trying to think of some other ones more recent. Um, I thought, <laughs> You know, I had nothing to do with any of the Walking Deads, so I can honestly say I liked a lot of the Walking Deads, even though, say, their status as games is not actually a solid question. Um, you know, I'm going to tip over the card on the game I ripped off uh, yes. for Mists of Time. Uh, that was that was, I believe. I'm not sure whether it was two or three, but I think it was Sorcerers Get All the Girls two or three. Um, not a great game. Actually, it was a pretty solid game. Well, you stole from um, it, Mike. <laughs> I stole from it. It was a. It was actually a pretty solid game and it had a final puzzle which I didn't rip off. Involving, um, you have a piece of inventory. Uh, it's a book that a book you can't put down, and okay. you can't actually put it down uh, throughout okay. the entire game. And the final puzzle involves giving giving it to the bad guy, who's I don't know doing some kind of spell or something. But then he's stuck with it and can't put it down. I'm not sure how it worked that way, but uh, there you go. 
um, yeah, it was a cheesy, it was a pretty good cheesy game and had a very nice solid puzzles in the middle. Um, you know, I liked, uh, I, I also, there was a, 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 not a full on game, uh, but a game system that I, I encourage anybody who's got a Mac emulator from the original old, old Macintosh emulator. There was a, a product called World Builder that allowed you to build adventure games uh, with pictures that you could tap, um, uh, point and click adventures. That was a wonderful product. Had its own little programming language. You can make uh, games with it. Um, that was one of my favorite things of all time. It's amazing how little I actually play adventure games. <laughs> I was going to say, are <laughs> there any play... sort of recent games you've played? It doesn't have to be adventure, but no, what have you been, been enjoying? I, I've been, yeah. <laughs> well, I've been uh, with the kids. We've been playing a lot of The Sims on PlayStation uh, just because, you know, and it is interesting to watch how different people play The Sims. I put, When I play The Sims, I play it. I don't play the grindy, uh, grindy version of The Sims. I play a "Hey, I wonder what will happen if I do this" kind of thing. Uh, I like to push at the edges of it, uh, see what happens if I have a homeless person in The Sims. Whereas the kids have built an amazing facsimile of our house, wow. <laughs> and just from every piece of furniture, and it's like. Okay, and they're just pushing everybody through all their careers as fast as they can. It's like, hmm, okay, that's different. <laughs> Whilst you're making people homeless. Um, yeah, I play, you know, I play a lot of casual, you know, word games on, you know, on my phone. Um, I've been playing way too much uh, Bee Swarm Simulator on Roblox. Okay. <laughs> just... just <laughs> That's my grindy game that I play just to zone out. I've been watching my kids play Fortnite like crazy um, because that's that is a, a well, it's a wonderfully absurd thing that shouldn't work. I mean, it's beautifully done. It's a wonderfully done game. Um, but you know, I've gotten since I've been working in mobile, I've been you know keenly interested in how games monetize, right and it's a game that should it should not monetize at all but because there's a billion people playing it it does it did you know that's how that works uh it's a wonderful game but yeah watching them freak out about it is is amazing and they've kind of it's interesting because they've sort of drifted off and stopped playing it for a while they're playing zelda again they're getting ready for the zelda uh they've, they've downloaded the demo of that and going oh great we can kill a hundred monsters at once now instead of two this is wonderful um that's gonna you know that's gonna be the big thing you know assuming they get it as a christmas present um you know so i do a lot of watching my kids play games because they're they're 11 now and they're totally oh and they're playing among us like crazy like uh, yes <laughs> which is that is a great dynamic that you know it'll be interesting to see the copycats that come out of that yeah, for um, sure. Because, yeah, and yeah, there's a good one you could put in a nice VR game. Do your ki have your kids played any of your games? They have played my games. They uh, they really they really liked Hit the Road. They've played uh, they played the Telltale Monkey Island and the Telltale uh, the salmon some of the Salmon Maxes because I was only partially on those. They haven't played Back to the Future. They have not played Escape Escape yet because um, yeah. Um, but they probably will at some point soon. 
They haven't played. I think they've played. I think they played a little of Fate of Atlantis. Um, but yeah, it's hit and miss. Um, <clears throat> and of course, everything is so slow compared to what they're used to, right? That's you know that's the thing about those older games is um, it's a bit like uh, the difference between uh, you know Superman the movie and any of the more recent superhero movies is um, Superman the movie. Um, the original movie, you don't see Superman for like an hour. <laughs> it's like, we're going to build that up for a really long time. And, you know, you compare that to most of the Marvel movies, you know, even and it's like, no, we're, we're going to get you really into some deep, heavy action pretty quickly. Um, and no matter how, how, how and, uh, and so the, the pace of those older adventure games can sometimes be a little slow for them. Yeah. Um, you know, especially. Um, but they like the jokes. Actually, they don't like the jokes. They think their dad is not a funny guy. In oh, come um, on. Surely not. I, 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 no, they, they, you know, like all good, you know, tween children, they think their parents are the least uh, funny people on the planet. <laughs> well, you tell them they're wrong. <laughs> uh, I, I tell, look, you know, I've, I, you know, got some awards here. You know, like, <laughs> hey, no, nothing. Your dad is funny. I, I get paid to write. Uh, this is, you know, this is what keeps the roof, half the roof over your head. <laughs> yeah. Does not. No. It doesn't go down well. Well, unless there's, I mean, if, if chat, if you've got any more questions, because uh, poor old Mike, he's been here for a while now. Yeah. So I'm going to let you go in a moment, Mike. Uh, but thank you so much for, yeah. for I know exactly. Look, at same here. <laughs> no, yeah. but it's, it's been exactly. really good um, being able to, to have a chat with you. I really appreciate you um, letting us uh, have a chat. Um, Final question, yeah. uh, and although I think this is really a answered in Escape from Monkey Island, but Mintopia says, did Ron ever tell you the secret of Monkey Island? Ron did not tell me that the <sighs> Monkey Island is an island of many secrets. Yeah. Uh, the giant robot monkey being just one of them. Yeah. Uh, and also since the whole, the whole place changes every time you go there, who knows I think uh, that's actually I you the deal with that. Monkey Island. I suspect, you know, we, you know, we did in the end reveal that um, in Tales that the voodoo lady has a, is running a much longer play uh, with between Guybrush and LeChuck. Um, so it's probably something to do with her and who knows. Okay. Um, they never really did resolve that whole, it's all an amusement park thing no. from the second game. And, um, because it was never supposed to get resolved. Uh, and so who knows? I think Ron knows. I think Ron telling, I would love to see Ron take a whack at it. Yeah. Um, that, I think we know, all would. He should. Well, yeah. if you'd like to maybe just uh, pester him a little bit, Mike, that'd be good. I think, well, again, Disney. Yeah. Well, yeah. Disney. Disney. <laughs> Come on. Disney. <laughs> yeah. Oh, um, so, good stuff yeah, yeah. honestly uh, thank you so right. much mike this has been really really good really appreciate it um and uh i hope you've got more planned for after summer mats vr as well I, have you got anything else in the pipeline or? i've got i've got uh well i'm you know i i am currently a man doing lots of hither uh 
and you know, some of them will get big, some of them will get small, and we'll see what happens. <laughs> <How's> okay. <that? laughs> um, yeah, but I am not currently employed by a company, so I am, you know, I am uh, trying to get, you know, I've got lots of literally lots of lots and lots of irons in the fire right now. You don't oh. know where I'm going to turn up next. Oh, sounds right. like a threat. <laughs> it stuff. is a threat. It is a threat <laughs> to the promise. Uh, uh, nice chatting with all you yeah. guys in the chat. Um, you know, uh, you know, go out there, play games. And if you're, you know, I, I will say what I always say to young people, if there's some young people in there <laughs> or even old people. What are you people. trying to say, Mike? Uh, if, you, if you are interested in this industry at all, um, go out and make your own games. Uh, that's how you get in. That's how you get your foot in the door. Uh, that's how I got my foot in the door along with luck. <laughs> um, and there are plenty of ways now for you to make interesting games that don't involve a lot of startup effort. Um, there are engines out there. There are ways to do it on your own. Um, so go out there, write your stories, come up with your game ideas, even if you think they're horrible. Um, the process of making your own game uh, will teach you more than anything else. So that's my... 10 cents at the end there that's excellent uh thank you so much mike once again and see you in another 20 years 10 call it 10 <laughs> i'll be 73 in all right, years. Ten. i hope cool. i'm if i've retired all right all right and thank you very much for listening to that interview with mike stemley from lucas arts uh you can catch Sam and Max, this time it's virtual. It should be coming out in 2021. Really looking forward to that. You can check out all the other interviews and reviews that the Adventure Games podcast team has done on our website, adventuregamespodcast.com. Also drop me a follow on Twitch, twitch.tv forward slash Cressup, where I'll be doing hopefully more of these kind of interviews as well. But for now, thanks very much for tuning in.